What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Smith. And before I get into today's show, I've got to send a shout out to my Texas Rangers World Series champions. Fact. I got my Rangers hat right here, as you can see, always close by. I have been a fan since I was a kid. I mean, I remember the Dean Palmer days. I remember the first game, Ranger game I ever went to. I think it may have actually been the Ruben Sierra, but I feel like Dean Palmer hit a two-run home run at one of the – first or second Ranger games I ever went to. I remember the heartbreak in 2011. Uh, I don't want to go too far into the weeds on the Rangers, but man, if you're a Rangers fan, you happen to be watching because I know we have some crossover with some of the teams that we cover on this channel. You're also Texas Rangers fans. Throw some love in the comment for Texas. Arlington ISD has canceled school tomorrow, Friday, for the World Series parade. And it's just a, man, I'm... I, what I would love to do is a podcast topic, but I don't think it would be relevant to anybody uh, who listens to this show. <laughs> but I put this up on Twitter about what is the Dallas Cowboys equivalent to what the Rangers did, which was fired their longtime GM. I think they fired him. Um, brought in Chris Young. Brought Bruce Bochy out of retirement and signed Corey Seager, a prior World Series MVP in free agency from the Dodgers, who, who was previously with the Dodgers. I was trying to think, okay, what is the, what is the Cowboys? I'm not going to go and give you my take, but if you happen to be a fan in the Metroplex, let me know your answer to that question. But I'm going to get into today's show now. Uh, there was an interesting report that just came out about Michael Pratt, Tulane quarterback. Uh, we're going to look at the linear coverage in a couple of key games on the docket for this weekend. Uh, I think starting tonight. Actually, I don't know if the games that I'm going to be referencing, I think they're all on Saturday. Either way, before we get into it, if you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment at the end, share it with a friend. If you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please, please, please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. We are the College Underdogs Podcast. We do cover the underdog conferences. In fact, one of our topics today speaks to that name. It is a perfect example as to why, why these conferences are considered the underdogs. Uh, but yet they're also the reason why fans who aren't even fans of the teams or the conferences will tend to rally around the teams from these conferences when they're in, you know, whether it be the New Year Six or March Madness and they're the, kind of those Cinderella's. Anyways, they, they are the Davids to the Goliaths of college football and basketball and uh, that's what we cover here. And ultimately, our, our, our main focus has been the American Athletic Conference. And then, of course, we sprinkle in some of the other conferences as well. Um, really looking forward to basketball season as it tips off on Monday. And, um, yeah, we're just going to keep this thing rolling. So let's just get to this Michael Pratt stuff first. So the guy who put this out there and like literally this was like 30 minutes ago from the time of me actually recording uh, Clint Brewster at Clint Brew 247. So he's a. And this is why this caught my attention. Let me make sure because this could just be some rumor pulled out of thin air. However, it was put out there by a analyst and prospect evaluator with 24 seven sports um, 
And it seems like he's been with 24-7 Sports for a while, like over a decade. And, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, he's got over 7,000 followers on Twitter. Like, I guess my point is, is this isn't just some Joe Blow sitting in their living room deciding, oh, I'm going to start something fake and see if he can gain some traction on Twitter. I mean, this is actually someone who is with what I deem is a very credible entity that covers college athletics, who probably has a lot of relationships within college athletics. And so, and look, what he put out there also isn't just this earth shattering, shocking development, right? But here's what he said. He said, I'm told that Tulane quarterback, Michael Pratt is heavily considering a transfer to power five after the season, instead of entering the QB loaded draft. And then he responded with that saying, would surely make him one of the top QBs in the transfer market this offseason. This is interesting, right? Because as I just talked about a second ago, I mean, this again is, is why I refer to these as the underdog conferences, because here you have arguably the top group of five team in the country with a quarterback who's on track to lead them to their second New Year's Six bid and has a chance to make college football history. I committed a whole episode to that a couple weeks ago, but if if Tulane were to win the New Year's Six bid, the New Year's Six Bowl again this year and go back-to-back, they would be the first team in college football history from a mid-major slash group of five conference to accomplish that. That goes back to... I, I look back even prior to the BCS era. I went back into the Bowl Coalition or the Bowl Alliance. You know, whenever they they started, um, I mean, it goes back 20 plus years, but even before that, none of these teams even had access. So really going back to when the group of five slash mid-majors, and I say that because they weren't really called group of five until the CFP era, Um I think that's what it was within the college football playoff era before then. But just these, again, these underdog conferences used to not even have access to those premium bowl games. And so basically since the time they started getting access to them, which I think was the BCS, well, the BCS kept them out. Um, But, you know, you had TCU and BYU, I'm sorry, TCU and Boise State sneak in there time to time. But the point is, is no team has ever won back-to-back. You've had teams go back-to-back, like TCU went back-to-back in the BCS era, lost to Boise, beat Wisconsin. Uh, UCF went back-to-back in the CFP era, uh, beat um, Auburn, and then lost to LSU. And now you have Tulane, who has a chance to go back-to-back in the CFP era as well. In fact, to close out the CFP era as we know it prior to the expanded playoff. And so, I mean, with with the expanded playoff getting ready to happen, this wouldn't just be the first time in college football history. This would likely be the only time in college football history because from here on out, this is going to be an expanded playoff format instead of just a, a New Year's Six Bowl. And so, anyways, what's the point? Is here you have a quarterback who is flying high, who comes in as a lowly three-star recruit from South Florida, you know, submits to the process, Earns the starting job a season ago, I think, or no, two seasons ago. And then last season bursts onto the scene 
leads the team to a New Year's Six Bowl, leads the team to a victory in the New Year's Six Bowl over the Heisman-winning quarterback, and now a season later, his team is 6-1, and one, and the one loss was to a top-10 SEC team in which he didn't even play in the game, whereas had he played in that game, I think Tulane beats Ole Miss at that point in time with Michael Pratt at quarterback. On pace to go to another New Year's Six, and um, now there's this rumor surfacing that he's considering a power five transfer. And look, that makes sense too. I mean, teams like Auburn, Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky. I'm just thinking of four random SEC teams right now that are going to be in the market for a quarterback that not only could he plug right in and be successful with the, with those teams, but they also would have a very lucrative NIL package, I'm sure, waiting on him. And I'll talk more about the NIL side of this, but I'm just curious, like, what is everyone's thoughts on this, just in general? Because I know the transfer portal is a polarizing just thing in college athletics. And obviously, if you're a Tulane fan, I know exactly how you would feel about this. And the truth is, is, you know, if anyone knows more about this guy, Clint Brewster, who put it out there, you know, the research I did, like I said, it was 24-7 sports, so I don't, I mean... I feel like there has to be some possible validity to it, even though at this point it's just a rumor, um, you know, a reported rumor. But this honestly is one of the rare times where I would understand a kid transferring. See, where the transfer portal to me becomes toxic is when it's a way for young men, young athletes to escape adversity, thinking they're going to go to something easier. And that's the first thing that makes it toxic. I think the second thing is when it allows outside voices to influence a young athlete to make a decision that probably isn't in their best interest, but They have these outside voices, whether they're family members, friends of the family, convincing them, hey, if you go transfer here, I've got this situation worked out where financially it'll put the family in a better position. Or it allows kids to get sour with their coaches. I I just think it it, it becomes a crutch and it enables um, young athletes to not have to learn how to battle through adversity, be patient, wait their turn, compete, you know? And so, so that's where I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a negative. However, in a situation like this, this, you can't, you can't say that, Oh, Michael Pratt's being influenced by outside voices or, Oh, he's just trying to escape adversity or, Oh, any of those things really. And, and look, even though the, the, the outcome of this would be, a very lucrative NIL package, I'm sure. I still don't think that's like that he's chasing money necessarily. Okay. Cause what you have is someone who, like I said, they came in as a low rated recruit submitted to the process. They competed and literally are on the verge of leading his team to something that's never been done in college football history. So for me, it's almost like, I mean, his, his job is done. Like he could just enter the draft. But instead of entering the draft, it's going well, or I could go play at a bigger school with a higher level of competition, make some money like I would in the NFL, 
but then also try to improve my draft stock, letting first off this massive haul of quarterbacks that's getting ready to be in this upcoming year's draft, but then also like improving stock by playing against better competition. I mean, if you're playing in the SEC week in and week out and you're having success, that's going to enhance that draft stock. And so, again, this is one of the rare times where I would like understand it and support. But it still sucks, right? Especially, you know, for the underdog conferences, for a team like Tulane, where they've they're turned a corner, it appears, um, from football standpoint. Now, the good news is, is like, as, as people say, the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh away. Likely, if this were to happen, Tulane's going to be able, if they don't already have someone on the roster, they're going to be able to go find someone else in the transfer portal that they could likely plug in and have success with, kind of like Liberty did with the Tennessee transfer, Texas high school recruit, uh, Caden Salter, who's balling right now at Liberty uh, with Jamie Chadwell. So I think ultimately, oh, is that going to destroy the Tulane program? No, but would Tulane fans like to have Pratt back for a third year, you know, to continue the momentum? Absolutely. But if that doesn't happen, I think there's going to be someone available to come in and take that slot. But here's where it's, it's interesting though, right? Because I just pretty much gave you Michael Pratt's collegiate resume and what he's on pace to do right now this season um, as the starter at Tulane. And I don't know what his NIL situation is currently, but I bet it's not near what the starting quarterback at the University of Arkansas, KJ Jefferson's NIL situation is, who I've been told is going to clear seven figures this year in NIL money as a starting quarterback at Arkansas. And oh, by the way, Arkansas is two and six. So that's just another thing. It's like, okay, I can go make life-changing money for one season of football, try to improve my draft stock. And, you know, meanwhile, I mean, he's got to be sitting there thinking like, I'm on the verge of leading my team to doing something that's never been done in college football history. And there's a guy, you know, just the state north of me who's two and six right now getting ready to clear seven figures. I just think those are things you, you know, it's, it's fair to take into consideration. Um, and that's where I, I just think this NIL thing, um, you know, is, it's like, how do you prevent it? Because it's technically illegal to pay for play. Like you cannot pay for play. You can't utilize NIL as pay for play. Like there has to be a deliverable. Right, The athlete has to have a deliverable action item that they are being compensated for that has nothing to do with their on-field play. Where things start to get muddy is literally every single state has a different set of laws as it pertains to name, image, and likeness. And then the universities and institutions within each of those states have their own set of rules. And so the NCAA can't govern what the state laws are. So Pratt right now is playing in Louisiana under a certain set of NIL laws. Well, okay, if he goes to LSU, there may be some tweaks to how LSU's institution handles NIL versus Tulane, but he would be under the same, you know, umbrella. Whereas if he goes to OU or if he goes to South Carolina or back to his home state of Florida, those laws change. And why is that significant? Well, because those laws sometimes dictate the criteria 
for someone to represent an athlete. So like if Pratt has some sort of agent or maybe someone in his family, like I don't know this information, but if he has someone who, who is his representation for this stuff, well, if they leave the state of Louisiana, the criteria for that person to legally represent Michael Pratt will change if he goes to a different state. And that's where this thing gets twisted and turned because some kids will end up going and playing in places they don't really want to go, but it's easier for, you know, Uncle Joe over here to get uh, licensed as a, as a legal agent representation for that particular kid. And I don't want to rabbit trail too far. I know I say that a lot. I don't want to rabbit trail, but I, and I'm starting to with the NIL thing because there's a much bigger conversation here. And that's why guys like Nick Saban earlier in the preseason, Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders was talking about, I have no problem with NIL. I have a problem with collectives. Nick Saban was lobbying the federal government to bring down some, some enforcement on, to bring some consistency among States as it pertains to how this thing is governed. So, Anyways, sorry. I didn't mean to go too far into the weeds on that, but let me know your thoughts on this. Do you know anything about this guy who reported it? He's a 24-7 guy. He's been there for a while. I mean, I think 24-7 sports is probably the top college sports outlet in the world at this point. Um, and this guy is an analyst, college football analyst for him, so I'd imagine his relationships are significant. So there's probably some legitimacy here. Um, but as I said, like this would be one I would understand. And I also think Tulane would be able to replenish what they lose in the transfer portal. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, oh, let's just do, I'm going to do the, the linear coverage real quick and then we'll be done. So, Hmm. But where is it? Oh, here we go. Yeah, so coming in at number one, we have the Mountain West Conference. They've got four linear coverage. One of those is on Friday, so three Saturday games. We've got the Sunbelt Conference coming in um, at number two. They have three linear coverage. One of those is tonight, actually, and then the others are on Saturday. Uh, the American Conference and the Conference USA both have two Saturday linear games. And then uh, the MAC actually has four, but they were on Tuesday and Wednesday. So now they're, they're taking over Tuesday and Wednesdays in November from Conference USA, who had them in October. So, yeah. And I'd say the key games to keep an eye on this weekend are Army at Air Force. If you're an American Athletic Conference fan, um, not even just Tulane because Tulane's controlling their destiny right now. If you're a Memphis SMU UTSA, you want Army to beat Air Force. I'll say it again. If you are SMU UTSA or Memphis, you want Army to beat Air Force. And quite frankly, you want Boise to beat Fresno State. Boise is at Fresno State. That's going to be a very tough game for them. But, Army beating Air Force and Boise State beating Fresno State significantly helps Memphis, SMU, and, you know, it's still outside, outside UTSA. In fact, some people made some good points on the episode two days ago thinking, hey, a four, if it came down to a four-loss Boise Mountain, uh, Mountain West champion and a three-loss UTSA American Athletic champion, they think the committee might give the bid to Boise just on their brand. So that's an interesting conversation for another day if 
things start trending in that direction, which as of right now, they are not. But Memphis, SMU, UTSA, and Tulane while you're at it, even though Tulane, you just need to win and you'll be fine. But you want Army to beat Air Force and you want Boise to beat Fresno. Obviously, if you're Mountain West, you want Air Force to continue winning, to continue winning, to continue winning, hoping that they can leapfrog Tulane as the season plays out. And then, of course, in American Conference action, just for the sake of the conference, we need SMU to beat Rice. We need Tulane to beat East Carolina, ECU, um, and uh, uh, Memphis to take care of USF. That's just for the conference's sake as it pertains to the New Year's Six. Um, and then this UTSA-UNT, man. I think this is going to be a good game. And I think it's – I've got it under. I've got it going under. I think it was – when I saw it was 71 and a half. But UTSA coming to Denton, that's going to be a good game to watch, y'all. And it's streaming, so that kind of sucks. But but again, for the sake of the conference, I think UTSA obviously needs to win that game so they can kind of stay as that outsider chance of getting in. But I bet in another year or two, that UTSA-UNT matchup is going to have some greater stakes to it as it pertains to the conference. But that is not this weekend. Well, that's all I got for you today. Thank you for listening or watching another episode of the College Underdogs podcast. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's Thursday. As I said, the Friday show is going to be more of a wild card from here on out. If there's breaking news, something to, something to do a, a pod, kind of like I've been doing the weekends and Sundays, you know, up to this point, that's how it's going to be. So if nothing crazy happens between now and Monday, I'll see y'all Monday. Enjoy your college football Saturday. Trey Smith, College Game Time. <laughs>